Welcome to the Shiny Brightly Show. I'm Howard Brown, author, speaker, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, international peacemaker, and yes, two-time stage four cancer patient survivor and advocate. Each episode will take you from resilience to hope and a whole lot more because Shining Brightly does make the world a better place. Be prepared to be inspired. Hello, it's Howard Brown. It's the Shining Brightly Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Another amazing show on tap here. I have the incredible Mindy Corcoran with me. Mindy, how are you? I'm wonderful, Howard. I'm so excited to be on your show. Oh, it's amazing. Unfortunately, we're going to dig deep a little bit today. We got some topics that um, make make people a little uncomfortable, but um, we have to deal with some of that, uh, as I call it in my book, darkness, uh, in order to shine our lights. And um, we're we're going to dig in because I think it's 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 really important that um, you share your story and and how it actually uh, goes out into the world, and 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 people have to uh, be able to. Uh, deal with their resilience, their emotions, their feelings um, in, in today's world. So let me tell you a little bit about Mindy. Mindy is impressive. And um, I, I will make a, a quick disclaimer and a shout out to Front Edge Publishing and Read the Spirit magazine. We share the same publisher for our books. And so we'll shout out to them. They did a great job for us. We're best-selling authors and, and, uh, and published. So it's really great. So uh, Mindy Corporate is the co-founder of Workplace Healing and the Human Recovery Platform, which is trademarked, and we're going to talk about that and what that is. She helps employers transform how they support an employee experiencing life disruption. By balancing uh, a head-based uh, corporate environment and empathetic heart-based support, leaders preserve long-term productivity, retention, and morale. And you are the former CEO of a successful wealth management firm. Um, Mindy, you are in the middle of raising two talented young men, young boys, your sons, and your dad and your oldest son were murdered by a white supremacist uh, in a domestic uh, uh, violence act uh, intent on killing Jews. And in this hate-filled environment today, this is really relevant. You are the author of Healing of a Shattered Soul in 2021. You deliver inspiration from your unique experiences and mentor how to lead with courageous kindness. I just have to let that sink in for a second, Mindy, because it's it's, it's so powerful. And um, I just want to actually always start by saying that um, your dad and your son, may their memory be for a blessing for all of us who loved and knew them. Um, that's a Jewish prayer, but uh, we, uh, we, we have to, and we are honoring their memory by speaking about them today. So thank you. Tell me something and tell my audience something that we may not know about you. Uh, when you asked me that question earlier, you said, okay, you're going to be prepped to answer this question. I was like, I feel like I am such an open book because I wrote a book and it was all about me. So I know this isn't like the easiest thing you're thinking. Why don't you just have something off the top of your tongue? Um, because I think so much about me is out there. So I think what might be helpful is to say to people, especially listening to your podcast and after they hear everything and they hear what I've done and, and you just read my bio and even I listening even when I listen to my bio I'm like that that is impressive that is a lot of effort it was a lot and I look back and it's a lot of effort I will say what people probably don't know about me is that frequently I wake up in a cocoon and 
wonder what is next. I do not always know what is next. You know, I think we, I think that we look at people who achieve and we think they got it going on. They're always on top of things. And I frequently wake up and think, what is next? So what people might not know about me is that when that happens to me, I pray, I meditate, I pray, and I journal, and I write out my thoughts. I write out my fears immediately, and I and then I and then I have gratitude, and I turn that into gratitude, and then I kind of let it flow. So I think that might be really helpful for people to understand about me, so that as we go on and have our conversation, they'll they'll look back at this and say that is something that helps her move out of that stuck moment. So I get stuck. And to move myself out, that those are the things that I do. Well, this is your moment, so you you share you shared that, and that's what you do. You're, you're journaling and you're writing it down to uh, to get through the moment. So thank you for sharing that. So this show is all about the human resolve, and when we step into darkness, we can learn from that darkness, but hopefully not stay there too long. And I am all about get back up again. Use your light to get yourself back up and then go lift up others. And you are certainly a model for that. So I would like, uh, and, I, and again, I'm sure it's painful every time that, could you give us a little uh, from your book, uh, recant a little bit about the, uh, the situation, what happened on that dark day um, at the Jewish Community Center in Kansas City? Yes, Howard, I can. Uh, it's been 10 years. This April marks the 10th. Uh, anniversary of losing my dad and son and it seems like yesterday and it seems like forever ago uh you just look at the time when time marches on and anyway i can i can just remember what i felt like after year one and after year two and now i'm sitting at year at year 10 and i don't have to pick up my book and read it to remember it because I remember it so vividly. So sometimes I can't remember where my car keys are or, you know, what, what I'm supposed to do next. But I remember April 13th, 2014, so, so vividly. And it's important to say, and I'll go through it rather quickly for the sake of what we want to, I know <clears throat> what we want to get to today, but on April 12th, we were a family of four. And on April 13th, we were a family of three. That's my small unit. Uh, my larger unit, we also lost my dad. So I lost my dad and my son on the same day, <clears throat> pardon me, on April 13th. And the way it transpired is I was supposed to drive my son, Reet, to an audition. He was a performer, a singer, a dancer, vibrant. He could memorize books from the age of four. He was just this amazing gift. And uh, he was also at genius level. So we'd had him tested. He was off the charts. He was in the special, you know, gifted classes. And he was in Boy Scouts. He was just, he was just so much. And he really lived a very full life. Could have lived so much more. But it's I'm so grateful that he lived as much as he did with the time that he ended up having. Um, my dad drove my son Reet to the Jewish Community Center because I needed to be at our younger son's lacrosse game. So as a parent of two boys, uh, I'm a boy mom, and they were in sports, they were in activities, uh, Reet was in theater, and this was his third performance, third audition. I had taken him to the other two, 
and he'd already made them. So he was already going to be in uh, uh, Tom Sawyer for the summer, and he was already going to be in this great uh, performance troupe for the year. It was a 12-month program, Starlight Stars, for the year. And those he had just received acknowledgement of him getting in those groups, and now this was the third one. It was at the Jewish Community Center, and I expected to drive him, and uh, Lucas had a lacrosse game. My younger son had a lacrosse game. Reet stepped in and said, Mom, I think, uh, you know, Popeye ended up taking him. He said, I think you should go to Lucas's lacrosse game. So now on April 13th, I am fidgety because I thought I should be driving him, and my dad's coming to take him. And in the kitchen, I'm waiting on my dad to get there, and Reek comes bounding down the stairs and he's wearing a suit and a tie and a fedora and I can just see him coming into the kitchen and and I said the mom thing you need to warm up your voice and he did he did all the me 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 me's and warmed up his voice and then he sang uh, the 36 bars of on the street where you live and then he sang you're gonna miss me when I'm gone He said, Mom, they might let me sing two songs. And the second song is this one. And he's saying, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. And I just stood there so proud of him and listened to him sing. My dad showed up. Uh, the last words I said to my son were, I love you. Good luck. And he said, I love you too, Mom. And I did not know those would be the last words he would say to me. And I showed up at the JC, I showed up at the lacrosse game. And here's the interesting thing: the lacrosse game got canceled due to weather. I went to the Jewish Community Center. I got there before he would have even started his audition. And I thought, this is miraculous. This is miraculous that I'm driving in, and and they, he shouldn't have even maybe been here or in the the building. And I found my dad. Um, already murdered next to the truck. I pulled into the parking lot and my dad's body was lying next to the truck. And it was, I was horrified and I pressed on the gas pedal more and I pulled the car and I just ran to my dad and it was so apparent that there was nothing I could do for him. And it's so important for me to share this with you, Howard, and all of your listeners because there are you can call it God. I call him God. You can call it the spirits. You can call it, you know, people who've crossed over. Um, I was leaning into my dad and I felt this pressure on my shoulders, pressure to push back. And visually, I knew I could not help my dad. And I felt this pressure and I stepped back and I heard the words, your father's in heaven. Go find Reed. Loud and clear. And there was no one around. There was no one around. And I looked to the left, and that would have been an easier path to go to the left around his body. But I didn't take that path. I took the harder path, and I went around the truck. And I found my son in the arms of two men. And so the shooter had shown up only minutes really before me. And he'd murdered my dad on contact. And he'd shot Reet through the, winch, through the um, driver's side door. And... People had heard gunfire, and they had come running to help. The gunman had shot up the place. There was glass everywhere. He evidently had shot at about 17 people 
on the way out of the facility and I had just missed this, like barely missed it. I pulled in probably as he was pulling out or at the stoplight past me. The police had even asked, did you see this white car? They described it. I had not noticed that I'd seen it, nor had I seen some crazed van driving out. And these two men were holding my son in their arms. And after that, a lot of chaos happened, a lot of chaos. I didn't go with him and the ambulance to the hospital because I wasn't there when the ambulance showed up. I had been placed inside so much, Howard. I talk about it in detail in the book. And I go through every painstaking detail of what happened. But about 30 minutes later, my husband and younger son and my mom and my, and my younger brother and I are all in a car driving to the hospital where we know that they have taken Reet, my son. And we know that my dad has been murdered and we're just, it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable feeling. And then we got to the hospital and within about 10 minutes, the uh, director of trauma, I didn't know that was his role at the time, but he was the director of trauma, and he had been in the emergency room. They had called him when Reet was brought in, and he came in, and he said to the room, really no one in particular, because he didn't know who was who, and he said, the young man who was brought in from the headshot wound did not survive. We lost his heartbeat in the ambulance, and that sentence just sent us all on the floor, just that sentence, and, and it was earth-shattering and it's earth-shattering to feel it again and to say it um and so my life shattered our lives shattered and then from that moment we really had to start thinking about how are we gonna put the pieces together again and that's and then that just changes who i became it literally changed the trajectory of of where i would go in my life and for the past 10 years Thank you. I, I, I'm I'm shaking a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm I, I mean I know you and um, and I know your story. I, I have your book right here. I've read your book, and Great. just hearing you say those words um, are getting me a little bit of emotional um, because I'm feeling I'm feeling empathy, but I'm feeling sorrow. I'm feeling a lot of things right now. And um, two things I want to tell you, I noticed. When you were describing Reet um, singing and, 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 and warming up his voice, but even saying that I'm going to miss you when you're gone and your last words to him, you lit up. Your light was beaming, 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 beaming. So I wanted to tell you I noticed that. Um, and then the thing that I actually didn't pick up from the book and knowing you, you, you were like driving into an active shooter situation. I did not know that as well. And... This is horrifying, and um, God, I just so many things are. You're you're not Jewish. You were there for a play. Um, you know it doesn't matter. It's, bullets are indiscriminate, and I, 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 you know, I do a lot of work in the interfaith world and in the um, hate world. So I consider anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, Asian. Uh, you know, bias, it's, it's all hate. And we, we have to learn that somewhere. We don't choose, you know, we can choose to hate, but we can also choose not to hate. And so uh, your world got turned upside down. My world, you know, two times with stage four diagnosis, it comes to a screeching halt. What are you supposed to do next, right? What are you supposed to do next? You lost your dad and your son in a blink of an eye. It's, it's really, really incredible. 
so if I can, if I can go ahead, two please. things, I, I want to answer. I first want to answer. What do you do next? And what I will, what I'd like to share is you breathe. You you, you, you breathe. You just breathe. Okay. Because it's hard to breathe. It's hard to find your breath. I felt like a, a building had fallen on top of me, and I couldn't breathe. And so that is such a heavy, heavy feeling that we get. And I, I st it still comes to me on occasion. And so I want people to know, what do you do next? And literally the first thing that you do is you breathe and you just breathe. You just breathe again and you start breathing. And, and then the other thing I wanted to make sure that you know this, I think that you do, you and I completely share the whole interfaith world. So because they were murdered by a white supremacist, which it took me probably... I don't know, maybe four days to understand, to understand that and figure it out. I didn't, we didn't understand how this had happened. Uh, and, and so then, then clearly we know, and we learned very, very quickly that he was a white supremacist and was intent on killing Jews. But, but part of my initial healing process was to find out everything I could about Judaism. And while I was finding everything I could about Judaism, I thought, I'm supposed to be Jewish. I did. I thought, I'm supposed to be Jewish. And I, and I talked to a, a rabbi. I talked to many of my Jewish friends. I talked to them about Jesus. What do they know about Jesus? Because I was raised a Christian. And we had a lot of conversations about that. And in the middle of that, Howard, months, four months into that, five months into that, a Muslim boy was murdered in Kansas City. And his friends wanted me at the vigil. His friend said, can Reet Underwood's mom come to the vigil? And I thought, okay, God, I'm Christian. I was thinking maybe I'm supposed to be Jewish, and now I'm going to a Muslim boy's vigil. So my world was whirling at best, like whirling, topsy-turvy. And, uh, and I did, a, a, I still do, a deep dive and am very open and, and ingratiating to interfaith conversations and learning about others. And just like you said, we are not born with hate. We are taught hate. And the shooter in particular was taught hate, uh, particularly by his father. I'm not going to pull his mother in. I don't know anything about his own mother. This man was 74 at the time. I mean, he, he quote, should have known better, but didn't because he was filled with hate. He, he just had a diatribe of hate. And the district attorney said to us, we have never looked someone in the eye who is more evil than this man. So I have come face to face with evil. I, I know it exists. So I wanted to share breathing yep. and our, and our um, joint love of the interfaith work. I thought that was important to just pull in right at that moment. I, I appreciate that. Thank you for, for sharing that as well. And, um, you know, I, I have a whole chapter in my book on interfaith relations, and I, I actually look at it from an openness of getting to know the other, the culture, the foods, the history, the, uh, it, it broadens you. Okay. But many people close that off. Uh, they want to live in a, um, uh, in a closed loop or a closed, uh, we call it a shtetl or, uh, alone. Where it's safe. Uh, but they want to live where it's safe. I, I know, but that's not the world we live in. The world we live in is made up of all sorts of people of different colors and origins and backgrounds and ethnicities and religion. Um, I think it makes it more interesting. So you, you know and what? I are 
yeah, you're right. Safe isn't the right word. I meant comfort. Like say, like I want to feel comfortable. They want to. People want to stay where they're comfortable. They're comfortable. So I didn't. I know when we use the word safe, then now nowadays people are like, oh, was there a live shooter? You know. I mean, our world define defining the word safe is difficult. I should have said people want to stay where they're comfortable and they want to be around people that make them feel comfortable. And so that is usually who, what we look like. We want to be around people that we look like rather than people around that we don't look like or we don't understand their foods or their cultures. And, um, and I pushed myself into uh, many people's homes and many people's places of worship, Hindu, Muslim, Sikh, uh, to find, and Jewish, to find out more about people when that happened and so the foundation that we opened was initially called faith always wins and it was an interfaith foundation and is an interfaith it still is an interfaith foundation um we just changed the name to seven days so i know we'll we can talk about that later oh, let's talk about but, that now but it was no, all about interfaith the first four years i mean everything was interfaith everything yeah well, I, I want to hear just a, a little bit because we don't have all the time in the world, but just to uh, take a little bit about how you put the pieces back together again as best as you could. And then tell me about what you've been doing. This uh, I want to hear about the Seven Days Foundation. I want to hear about uh, workplace healing. So let's let's dive into those, those areas. So putting the pieces back together, um, we, we put pieces back together, but it doesn't look the same. Right, it's a totally different mosaic. Um, and I and I should say, I think it's important that I say. We, my husband and I, and our our younger son, who is now 21, he was 12 when this happened. He was 12 years old. And we look back at time that we lost, uh, not only because um, my dad and Reet were murdered. I mean, I mean, that is the catalyst, and we lost them. But we also lost so much, right? So we lost their lives, and then we lost so much. And so to uh, help our son, Lucas, thrive he, he was kind of surviving but to help him thrive we had to make significant life changes and significant life decisions and so we put the pieces back um in a different mosaic is what we have done and so to talk about seven days so our foundation was originally called faith always wins and it was named by a jewish man a jewish friend of mine who was originally on our board of directors his quote to me was mindy every time we talk you have said you you are surviving because of your faith and so what if we name the foundation faith always wins and so we named the foundation faith always wins and then just a deep dive and and more pragmatic because i'm very pragmatic about four to six years in we still were not quite raising the funds that we wanted people say oh i want to learn about that i want to know about interfaith but they don't fund it they do not fund it you know what they fund they fund kindness they find kindness, which is if you're kind to someone who isn't like you, that could almost look like interfaith. But if you don't call it interfaith and you call it kindness, it's just easier to fund it. I and mean, corporations won't fund something that says faith in it. They have bylaws that say they won't fund faith. It took too long for us to talk about the story about who we were. So we changed it, Howard, to seven days. And seven days means seven days make a ripple change the world. So can you be kind for seven days? Okay, can you be kind for seven days? And that's been our mantra um, from the beginning. Uh, we also, we teach kindness. Our specific mission statement is we overcome hate by promoting kindness through education and dialogue. 
And it took, I don't know, three strategy sessions to get to that, several different years, different board members. Um, and it's amazing. It's just, it really has been a fantastic journey to um, meet and greet and get the breadth of seven days into, for sure, our region, our um, Kansas City region. And then now we're in about 13 other states. And what that means is when I say we're in 13 other states, we offer grants to schools, middle schools, high schools, and elementary schools who want to have a kindness club or they want to have a kindness walk. So we have applications on our website for that. We focus on the youth, Howard, because when you and I were younger, I know adults said to you, adults said to me, youth are going to change the world. You kids, you guys are going to change the world. And you know what, Howard? You and I, we believed them. Yeah, look, we, did. we did. We did. I believe them. And look where we are. You and I are making a difference in the world. Well, when we look at our youth now, people are complaining about them. They're complaining about how much they're on social media. They're complaining about what they're wearing or what they're not wearing. I mean, just people are complaining. You know what? They are, the, they are also who's going to change the world. So we focus on the youth and we give them a chance to plan events. We give them a chance to um, make do activities. We mentor them in philanthropy. We mentor them in what does it mean to be kind. And we are helping them learn to be kindness influencers. So that is what has morphed and transformed from the very first day to the foundation now called Seven Days. That, that's beautiful. Take, take me into just a teeny bit about workplace uh, healing as well. Thank you. Workplace healing. So in the middle of um, running seven days as the executor and president, uh, I did that for nine years and writing the book, the, the, the Healing a Shattered Soul. And I just want you to hold the book up one more time because you have it. And I want to show people. Um, okay, so you can see my silhouette really well, but you can't see the background of the book yet. Mm, hold well, it really the background's close to you. behind you. Yes, I know. That's what I want to show. The background is this painting. Right. So I, um, when someone sees the book, they're going to say, I saw that somewhere else. It's going to be the painting behind me. So I dived into uh, writing Healing a Shattered Soul to really work on healing. I, again, I journal. I wrote all so many feelings and emotions and specifics about what happened. So I had the foundation and I was writing the book and the book was, um, you know, kind of in process, but at the same time, Howard shootings kept happening. People kept losing other people. I was back at work and I realized that no one knew what to do or say for me and that I was helping them along the way. I was training them on what to say and when to say it. And then many people in my um, network are in the C-suite. Um, so because I was a co-founder and owner of a wealth management company, many of the people when I went to events, you know, it was, and I just don't mind going up and saying hello to anybody. So I met a lot of people in the C-suite and they would come to me in, on, in live events and they would say, can I talk to you about my employee whose husband died? I'm like, okay. And I realized that there's a huge gap that we have uh, HR resources, we have uh, employee assistance programs, but we don't have training on when someone really has a significant life disruption. Cancer, stage four cancer. How do you talk to someone who has stage four cancer, right? If you're thinking, oh my gosh, stage four cancer, this person may die. What am I going to say to them, right? What am I going to say? And so you, I know, have helped people talk to you. So I experienced this horrible tragedy 
And I realized that I was helping people talk to me. And workplace healing was born. I wanted more empathy in the workplace. I wanted leaders to understand that they could take a role. They could have some responsibility and take a role in um, re-engaging employees and helping employees along the way. And so workplace healing was born in 2018. And um, and now we have a software. I laugh because I never thought I would own a software company. So that's kind of why I chuckle about it. But it was consulting. And now it's human interaction and it's uh, innovative technology and it's an empathy implementation tool for companies. And that's that's what we're working to do is help companies help their grievers get back into the fray of work. And you're still teaching kindness. And, and I'm still what, teaching what, what, kindness. What, what, what you call courageous kindness, which is your which which is your tagline as well. So yes. I, 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 I want to take this to real life right now because um we here in Michigan, uh, we had a high school shooting. There's been many, uh, the Oxford High School shooting, um, which, uh, and, and I will actually just honor by reading the names, Madison Baldwin, Tate Meyer, Hannah St. Juliana, Justin Schilling. They, 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 they were killed. There was many more that were wounded. Um, and I, I have to tell you that that hit home because it's only about uh, 45 minutes away from where I live. It affected so many people. And um, I... Um, I know that um, I, I think you were even called with the Uvalde school shooting. Uh, they called on your expertise there as well. And um, I know you might have spoken to some folks down there. And there's just so many to mention. Um, and then just recently, and I, I know that you uh, are now in Florida and not in Kansas City, but that's your uh, home base. But just at a celebration for the Super Bowl at the Kansas City Chiefs, that um, in your you know, hometown, basically, there was a shooting. And the, these are younger kids shooting and many injured in one death. And um, I, I just, I'm kind of, again, numb. Uh, you know, it's, it's just that where where is the, the, the world gone? And, and all this violence and and, uh, and just, uh, it, it just really hurts me. Because I live in the world of cancer and I know that 53,000 people are going to die from colorectal cancer in the U.S. this year. doesn't make it any easier. But the shootings... God, it could be, be stopped. Yeah, the, it should the be shootings, stopped. The shootings could be prevented. That's the right word. The, you prevented. used the right word. The, the shootings could be prevented. Uh, yes, and you. Um, thank you for mentioning the students' names who who passed from the Michigan shooting that you were talking about. Um, Lisa Lopez Galvin lost her life in Kansas City. There were a million, one million people at the Chiefs Parade. One million people there, and uh, twenty two to 23 other p people were injured and um a as you said many of them, them children and um i don't i don't know their names and i wouldn't read them off because they're minors and they're and they're living and they they deserve what privacy they do want but i do know that children's mercy hospital had children who had gunshot wounds from age six to age 15 age six and uh, and it is preventable. And, and looking at the murderer who murdered my dad and my son and Terry Lomano. So there were three people murdered. So I said that he shot at other people at the JCC. And then he drove in his car and he went to Village Shalom. And he shot at two more people and murdered Terry Lomano. So the three of them lost their lives that day. So he had been taught hate. Now, I thought, this is something really interesting. I thought after dad and Reed and Terry were murdered, that when people 
murder or use a gun to to injure someone they must hate and i was corrected very quickly by a mother who um is the she runs the chapter of mothers in charge in kansas city and and her group focuses on helping people um right after there's been a shooting they go down and and help especially if there's a a student involved but i think they go down for every shooting in kansas city unfortunately they are very busy so it's called mothers in charge and she said to me i don't know maybe eight to nine months after the murders i was getting invited you know could i come speak at this could i come to this could i do this so in the you know nine months to two year time frame i met her and i said something about well you know they everybody that murders hates and she said oh no they don't hate. She said her son was murdered for a watch. There was no hate. There was, I want that. Greed. They don't know how, this man who murdered her son didn't know how to have a conversation or just be angry about something or just want something and realize that he couldn't have it. He wanted a watch that her son had and he came in and shot her son and took the watch. He's, she said there was no hate involved. And that just really threw me for a loop. And so I don't know who the um, juveniles are at all um, that have that have been arraigned for the most recent shooting in Kansas City, but the conversation that's happening amongst many many people right now is students in our area need more um, not just parental but parental and adult interaction, parental and adult guidance, and um, and yes, there is you know how did they get guns and you know, getting guns out of their hands and all of that. But there's also, why would anyone that age even want a gun if they had enough adult, in, you know, engagement that was really helping them find a different path? I, I think it's education, uh, the, you know, giving them mentorship and guidance so that they, 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 they know boundaries. It's a complicated, uh, and it's a whole nother episode that we'll have you back on and we can dig deep on and all that. Um, that's heavy. It, it weighs heavy on me. I, I want to actually turn our, from our, our, our conversation and put on our sunglasses. We're going to shine the spotlight on you now, Mindy. And I wanted you to, oh, look at those glasses. Those are hot. <laughs> All right. But um, I want you to tell uh, my audience how they can best get a hold of you. And then I want you to leave, uh, leave uh, with a little inspiration of a quote or a story or, or, or lesson and then kick the show back to me to close. You know what, Howard, I, what I want to say is, you know, for inspiration, um, I, I watch the sunrise. For inspiration, I think about my son's quote. My son's quote is, live life to the fullest and never give up. He had that quote on an Instagram page or whatever social media he was using at the time. I had no idea. So I always say, live life to the fullest and never give up. Because we don't know when our last day is. Nobody knows. And I don't want to waste one minute of one day. I am living life for my dad. I'm living life for my son. I'm living life for myself. And I'm living life to help others do the same. Live life to the fullest and never give up. Beautiful. So Howard Brown, I'm moving it back to you. Thank you so much for having me on Shining Brightly because you shine brightly. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you missed one thing. How should people get in touch with you? Oh, Howard, I always forget about that part. I'm sorry. I was thinking so much about the quote. You did um, how should people get in touch with me? Well, uh, Mindy Corporan, M-I-N-D-Y-C-O-R-P-O-R-O-N. Like, uh, it's super easy to find me. LinkedIn, 
seven days is S-E-V-E-N-D-A-Y-S dot org. That's our foundation. So it's dot org. And workplace healing is workplace healing spelled out workplacehealing.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, but I really don't know how to use Instagram. I need a tutorial. Uh, but LinkedIn is great. And um, I would love for people to get hold of me through you because I'd like us to stay connected. Well, they can certainly contact me. I'm going to include um, your links uh, in the show notes and also on social media posts and all that. And please, uh, if you want to learn and take a deeper dive into Mindy's story and um, learn how to use courageous kindness in the world, um, Healing a Shattered Soul, it's on Amazon. You can find it on her website and her link pages as well. Um, Mindy, thank you uh, for being here and sharing part of your story and, and how you've chosen to make the world a better place. And, and that's what Shining Brightly, uh, you know, means to, means to me. Um, I'll give, a, again, a shout out to Front Edge Publishing and Read the Spirit, um, uh, Amplify You, my uh, podcast house. And um, I just, uh, you get a hold of me at shiningbrightly.com. This has been such a, a, an amazing episode. Um, and please consider downloading, listening, sharing, and reviewing. And if we choose to shine brightly just a little bit each day, which we have today, Mindy, for ourselves, and then go lift up others and our communities and our neighborhoods in the world, we will all be in a better place. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Howard. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Brightly with me, Howard Brown. Come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com. And remember, keep on shining.